Elise Shine fidgeted in the hard chair, her heart thumping wildly in her chest. She glanced around the New York City cafe, visually sifting through the crowd. She fixed her gaze on the door, worried she might miss her. A few minutes later, a woman walked in. Elise knew right away. It was Paula. Paula scanned the room before clocking Elise, a spark of recognition lighting up her face. Paula slowly approached Elise. She stepped up to the table, and the two looked each other up and down, hardly believing what they were seeing. It was like staring into a mirror. The women nervously embraced, then sat down. They had a lot to catch up on. Thirty-five years' worth of updates, to be exact. They got right to it, filling each other in on childhood, college, and beyond. And the more they talked, the more apparent it became just how identical they really were. Although they've been separated at birth, they lived eerily similar lives. They'd both edited their high school newspapers, attended film school, and now worked as professional writers. But more than that, it seemed their personalities were the same. They were both self-proclaimed angsty and intense intellectuals prone to depression. As the other customers slowly trickled out in the cafe prepared to close, Paula and Elise were still chatting away. It felt like they'd shared every aspect of their lives, but there was one detail Elise was still keeping to herself. They'd been torn apart on purpose. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our first and only episode on twin telepathy. Psychologists have long been fascinated by the bond between twins, and evidence suggests they may have more in common than just looks. They might communicate using their minds. Today, we'll explore some twin stories that have left scientists scratching their heads. Then, we'll discuss one of the most well-known and most controversial psychological experiments ever conducted. Finally, we'll explore whether twins have supernatural abilities, including one instance where a seemingly cosmic link may have saved a life. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary 
and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For thousands of years, twins have played into our fascinations, especially identical ones. The uniform facial structures, the matching body types, the similar mannerisms. In the absence of scientific context, it can seem downright spooky that two people could be so alike. Certain ancient societies viewed them as the work of God or some other higher power. Some pairs were depicted and worshipped as deities. In Greek mythology, the sun is ruled by Apollo, while his twin sister Artemis oversees the moon. Each serves a distinct purpose, with Apollo governing the realms of health and creativity, while Artemis protects the natural world. Twins are also featured in Hindu, Egyptian, and Native American folktales. Often, they represent the tension between opposites, Stories might use the siblings to comment on the differences between male and female, good and evil, or stability and destruction. Outside the realm of mythology, they're pretty rare. According to a human reproduction study published in 2021, about one in every 42 children born is a twin. But there's an outlier. In West Africa, the birth rate is four times higher than the global average. Their prevalence has sparked some pretty strong opinions about doubles. In Yoruba-speaking communities in southwest Nigeria, some believe identical pairs are protected by the deity Shango and have been believed to supernaturally boost their family's finances. As such, they've been treated with the utmost honor and respect. But other cultures in the region view twins as just the opposite. In another corner of Nigeria, some Igbo-speaking peoples regard twins as a message from the gods, and not a good one. It's thought that the pairs might devastate society. Whether you think these duos are a blessing or a curse, their mystical quality is harder to deny. And in the late 1950s, one English family witnessed their apparent abilities in action. In May 1957, 11-year-old Joanna Pollock and her six-year-old sister Jacqueline were on their way to church in a small English town called Hexham. Suddenly, a car fatally struck them on the roadside. Their parents, Florence and John, were almost overwhelmed with grief. But rather than crumble under the weight of their sadness, they decided to try and rebuild their family. A few months after the deaths of their daughters, Florence became pregnant. On October 4, 1958, Florence delivered twin girls, Jillian and Jennifer. As they aged, the girls showed eerie similarities 
and not just between each other. The Lester Daily Mercury spoke with Florence and John 10 years after the girl's death about their children. One child, Jennifer, had a birthmark on her left hip and her forehead. Jacqueline had also had a mark on her left hip and a small scar on her forehead. When the sisters were three months old, the family moved away from Hexham. They came back to visit four years later, and Jillian and Jennifer seemed to recollect almost everything about the town. They knew the name of the school Joanna and Jacqueline had attended and recalled the playground where their late sisters used to play. There was no way they should be able to remember these locations from their infanthood. Still, Florence chalked it all up to an eerie coincidence. To her, reincarnation seemed like a load of hocus-pocus. Then, one day, she walked by the girls' room while they were playing and nearly tripped over herself when she caught sight of them on the floor. Jillian cradled Jennifer's head and said blood was coming out of her eyes. They were imagining being in a car accident. The girls were pretending, but to Florence and John, it was a sign. Maybe their suspicions were right. Perhaps Jacqueline and Joanna had come back to life as her twins. If so, the girls' powers were strong enough to reach beyond the grave. But other siblings seemed to have a psychic connection in life. Identical twins Jim Lewis and Jim Springer were adopted by separate families in 1940. Growing up, Lewis knew he had a brother somewhere out there, but he wasn't ready to meet him face to face. After all, he had his own life to live. Then, when he was 39 years old, he finally searched for his other half. Lewis found him, living just 45 miles away in another Ohio town. The men got on the phone and felt an immediate connection. Even their voices sounded alike. Four days later, they met in person. They went over the basics. As kids, their favorite subject was math, and their least favorite was spelling. They both liked carpentry and drove a Chevy to their vacation homes, both in Petersburg, Florida. The men finished each other's sentences as they excitedly announced their childhood dogs were both named Toy, and they both worked part-time as deputy sheriffs. The similarities couldn't be a coincidence. Perhaps somehow, before they'd ever met, they'd shared a psychic connection. After all, from there, the parallels only became more bizarre. Lewis had married a woman named Linda, who he later divorced to marry a woman named Betty. Springer's romantic history was identical, down to the names of his partners and the order in which each came about. Before long, Lewis and Springer's eerie story caught the attention of scientists from the Minnesota Center for Twin and Adoption Research. This team assessed the psychology of siblings who'd grown up in different households to see how the experience influenced their thinking. Though they didn't immediately have an explanation for the shocking parallels, they could easily explain one similarity, the men's physical appearance. Fraternal twins are born when two egg cells are each fertilized by a separate sperm cell. They may share some features, but they don't always look exactly the same, just like with non-twin siblings. 
Meanwhile, identical twins are conceived when one sperm cell fertilizes one egg cell. Soon after, the egg splits into two embryos which develop into separate fetuses. These individuals can be almost indistinguishable, which makes sense because they have more similar DNA. Additionally, identical pairs often have remarkably similar brain waves. That might be how Springer and Lewis were able to complete one another's thoughts even after so much time apart. Despite everything scientists knew about twin biology, they still couldn't settle some lingering questions, although some went to brutal lengths to answer them. During World War II, Josef Mengele and Nazis regularly experimented on twins. It is estimated that some 3,000 pairs were experimented on during the course of the Holocaust. They suffered untold horrors. Most didn't make it out alive. Despite the depravity of this practice, the obsession with duplicates continued after the Holocaust. In fact, just 15 years later, a World War II refugee would conduct his own experiment. He was determined to answer psychology's biggest questions by any means necessary. Coming up, nature versus nurture and the secret twin experiment. Greed, revenge, lust. Murder investigations often pinpoint why someone has been killed, but not necessarily who did the killing. Every Tuesday on Unsolved Murders, meet the victims, suspects, and investigators of the most notorious criminal cases in history. Part traumatic podcast, part old-time radio show, Unsolved Murders transports you to the scene of a crime, its ensuing investigation, and every attempt to solve the case. You'll soon discover that the murder isn't always the most shocking part of the story. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Unsolved Murders. Listen free only on Spotify. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now, back to the story. A 2018 documentary directed by Tim Wardle profiled a young man named Bobby Shafran. He recounted how, in the fall of 1980, he arrived at Sullivan County Community College in New York's Catskills Mountains. He strolled through campus feeling shy and uncertain, hoping to make just one friend. As he rounded a corner, he was surprised to hear a warm hello from someone passing by. Another student clasped Bobby on the back and exclaimed how great it was to see him. Bobby continued along dazed as person after person he didn't know greeted him. At one point, a girl his age even hugged and kissed him on the cheek. It was kind of odd, but Bobby definitely wasn't complaining. He bounded up to his dorm, a bright smile tugging at the corners of his mouth. 
As Bobby unpacked his suitcase, one of his hallmates, whom we'll call John, poked his head inside, wanting to know how Eddie's summer was. Bobby didn't know who Eddie was, so he figured the boy was in the wrong room. But John just repeated his question. This time, Bobby corrected him. He was Bobby. John mirrored Bobby's look of bewilderment. Then, suddenly, his eyes lit up. He asked if Bobby happened to be adopted. Surprised by the line of questioning, Bobby answered that, yeah, he was. In an awestruck voice, John told Bobby he might have a twin brother. Later on, Bobby and his new friend drove to Eddie's house. Before Bobby could knock on the front door, his carbon copy emerged from inside. As soon as they laid eyes on each other, the long-lost twins leaped into each other's arms. As they got to talking, they confirmed what they already suspected. They were both born on July 12, 1961, and adopted from an organization called Louise Wise Services. The heartwarming story of the surprise reunion sent shockwaves through the small upstate community. Days later, a local newspaper published a photo of the reunited siblings. That's when David Kilman saw the picture and recognized himself. In Wardle's documentary, Three Identical Strangers, David recalled how he excitedly called Bobby and Eddie. He confirmed his birthday was also on July 12th, and he too was adopted from Louise Wise. When the triplets met up shortly afterward, it was as if no time had passed. They all had so much in common. It was like they'd somehow been connected all this time. Other separated siblings had similar experiences. Elise Shine was 35 years old when she found out she had an identical twin. She contacted a few social workers and eventually managed to track down Paula Bernstein in New York. The women met in a cafe and recounted their life stories. Aside from their parallel career paths, from attending film school to becoming authors, Paula and Elise almost seemed to share the same brain. The women decided to write a book about their experience. Along the way, Elise gave Paula some upsetting news. They'd been separated on purpose as part of a psychological study. It all began with a researcher named Peter Neubauer, who wasn't afraid to explore uncharted territory. After fleeing Nazi-occupied Europe in the early 1940s, he made a name for himself in the U.S. as a child psychologist. He studied everything from the effects of television violence to the impact of growing up in a one-parent household. But the more Neubauer learned, the more questions he had, especially when it came to behavioral development. Luckily for him, he was the director of the Child Development Center of the Jewish Board of Guardians, so he had useful connections. In 1961, Neubauer and his team approached Louise Wise Services, a Jewish adoption agency based in New York City. He wanted to explore one of psychology's most enduring mysteries, nature versus nurture. In context to the study of twins, he wanted to determine whether we're born with our personalities or if they develop according to our environment. 
With the agency's help, he could perform his research on the twins and triplets in their care. To this day, the exact reasoning and actions remain unclear. But we know Louise Wise agreed in some part to assist Neubauer's study. The children were separated, perhaps because they believed it would be beneficial to their individual growth. Without their sibling or siblings around, they'd be free to become their own distinct people. When hopeful parents came to adopt a child, they were told their son or daughter would be involved in a psychological study on adopted children. But they weren't informed that their child was being forcibly torn away from their brothers or sisters. The new families were absolutely clueless. For the next few years, a researcher from Neubauer's team would periodically interview the adoptees. Sometimes they administered IQ tests. Other times they tested their math abilities or their capacity for identifying certain objects. Most importantly, they observed the child's behavior and the results were concerning. Even though the adoptive families varied wildly, from their finances to their parenting styles to their moods, almost all the children showed signs of separation anxiety. They cried and banged their heads against the wall in frustration. A few even held their breath until they passed out. Their actions sent a clear message. There was something very important missing from their lives. What might have seemed like the perfect experiment was anything but. Apparently, Neubauer hadn't considered the possibility that his research subjects would be harmed by his actions. Nor could he have foreseen how angry they'd be when they learned the truth as adults. Unsurprisingly, Paula was outraged. Together, she and her twin Elise decided it was high time to get some answers about the study's findings. After all, they'd been separated for a reason. They deserved to know what it was. They reached out to Peter Neubauer to arrange a meeting, but he refused. Finally, after several rounds of back and forth, he agreed on the condition that they didn't record or publish anything he said. Although the setup wasn't ideal, it was better than nothing. So the two women confronted Neubauer in private in an unofficial interview. They didn't hold back. They wanted to make sure Neubauer understood just how much trauma he'd caused them. Apparently, according to the twins, the psychologist refused to apologize. He didn't seem to regret his actions at all. Despite his lack of remorse, it seems Neubauer had something to hide. In 1990, he'd ended his experiment and sealed his research at Yale University until 2065. Almost two decades later, in 2008, he passed away. The individuals from the study petitioned for the files to be opened multiple times. No request has been thoroughly successful to date. It'll be another 43 years until we can review the results of his controversial experiment. And unfortunately, most of the participants likely won't be around to learn the outcome. Until then, we can only guess what Neubauer's research revealed. Maybe he settled the debate of nature versus nurture once and for all. Or maybe his findings exposed a more otherworldly truth. 
Perhaps Paula, Elise, and the triplets possessed supernatural abilities Neubauer wanted to keep secret. Coming up, twin telepathy is put to the test. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Now, back to the story. In March 2009, 15-year-old Gemma Houghton puttered around in her family home. Her twin sister, Leanne, was taking a bath upstairs. Suddenly, a wave of dizziness hit Gemma. After steadying herself, she could only formulate one single thought. Leanne. Gemma ventured up the stairs, still not sure what compelled her to check on her sister. She made a beeline for the bathroom and threw the door open. She found Leanne laying on her back, fully submerged in the water. Her face was blue. Gemma rushed forward, braced herself against the wall, and slowly heaved her sister onto the floor. Once Leanne was safely out of the water, Gemma ran to the phone and called an ambulance. All the while, she pleaded with her sister to hold on. She could feel her slipping away. Finally, Gemma placed her hands over Leanne's chest and pumped, praying it would be enough. Suddenly, Leanne burst into a coughing fit and turned over to throw up. Shortly after Leanne came to, the paramedics arrived. After examining her, they determined she'd had a seizure. She would make a full recovery, but it had been a close call. If it weren't for Gemma, she almost certainly would have died. While some might call it a premonition, Gemma believes she shares a subconscious link with her sister. That might sound far-fetched, but this isn't the only story like it. Not even close. Consider Sally Keeble, who told The Guardian that in 2009, she shot out of bed in the middle of the night, a searing pain ripping through her stomach. The cramps and nausea were so bad, she considered calling an ambulance to take her to the ER. Thankfully, the ache eventually eased up and Sally fell back to sleep. A few days later, her twin sister Helen called. She was nine months pregnant and due any day now. She told Sally she'd had terrible cramps the other evening. It felt like she was going into early labor. It just so happened her episode took place the same night as Sally's. Two weeks after their phone call, Sally was working late at the office. As she powered down her computer, she glanced at the time. 7.51 p.m. Just then, a burning sensation shot through her gut. Sally collapsed back into her chair, clutching her stomach. After a few minutes, the agony dulled and Sally was able to stand up. Slowly, she stumbled towards the subway, still shaky from the pain. She might have thought she was in the clear, but as she rode the train, a sense of dread washed over her. 
She couldn't put her finger on it. She just knew deep down something awful was happening to Helen. As soon as she got home, the first thing Sally noticed was a blinking light on her answering machine. It was a message from her mother. Sally had given birth to a baby boy. The delivery time was 7.51 p.m. Sally tried to steady her breath as she fumbled with the keypad, dialing her mother back. Her mom sounded exhausted. She explained the baby's heart rate had dropped drastically low and Helen had to have an emergency C-section. In the process, she lost a lot of blood, so much that she needed a transfusion. Sally was floored. She'd never believed in so-called twin connections, but then again, they'd never happened to her. But now, she had a few new data points. The cramps a few weeks ago, the pain she felt in the office, the sinking feeling on the train. She'd experienced Helen's difficult labor in real time. But although some siblings claim they share a psychic link, certain experts take issue with their conclusions. Dr. Nancy L. Siegel, a leading twin researcher and author of the book Twin Myth Conceptions, described in her book her appearance on a daytime talk show in the late 90s. A sold-out crowd consisting mostly of identical pairs listened intently as the host asked Siegel if twins really had a sixth sense. She took a breath and paused. No, there's no scientific evidence that they do. Simply put, Siegel said there was no proven way that twins could know each other's thoughts. These pairs simply had an extremely strong relationship, which could make it seem like they'd had a psychic link. In her book, she gives an example of two hypothetical close-knit siblings who talk regularly on the phone. Perhaps one twin will call, and the other will know who's on the line without checking the caller ID. It might feel like telepathy, but really, it's an educated guess. Of course, when your phone rings, you expect it to be someone you talk to all the time. Another talk show guest, a physician and identical twin himself, strongly disagreed with Siegel. He said he knew twin telepathy was real because he'd practiced it with his own double. When he said this, the audience erupted into applause. Perhaps many people in that crowd had their own experiences with a supposed psychic connection. Although her beliefs weren't well received during that taping, Siegel's findings continued to bolster her work for the next decades. As Siegel writes, in 2013, a group of researchers mailed a survey about telepathy to 7,518 twins. Of that number, 77 responded. A whopping 91% claimed they'd had a mind-bending experience with their twin, and 10% said it happened often. While the results were certainly staggering, Siegel questioned their validity. She pointed out the sample size was astonishingly small. Of the people who were contacted, only about one out of every 100 participated. Plus, it's possible the respondents embellished their stories. Or maybe they only answered yes because ordinary coincidences seemed supernatural in hindsight. For example, 
Let's say you have nightmares once a week. Inevitably, at some point, you're going to have a bad dream the same day that something unfortunate happens to your twin. That's not a premonition. It's statistics. But it can still feel paranormal to you. In fact, even the study authors took issue with some of the feedback. They noted many of the answers could be explained by mundane factors. If one twin falls in love with a red jacket and then the other one goes out and buys it, that doesn't mean they have telepathy. They could just have similar fashion senses. According to Siegel, these were either coincidences or a product of the twins' closeness, not a sign of a supernatural connection. Siegel's logic applies to other cases of alleged mind reading. When Sally Keeble felt her twin Helen was giving birth, she assumed it was ESP. But based on Siegel's conclusions, it may have just been empathy. Perhaps Sally was very concerned about her sister, especially because she knew Helen's due date was coming up. Her stress could have developed into actual physical pain. Her experiences happened at the same time as Helen's due to coincidence. And the case of Gemma Houghton, who rescued Leanne from the bathtub, might have been even less exciting than that. It turned out Leanne had a history of seizures. It was so bad, doctors warned Gemma and her family to keep an eye on Leanne. That night, Gemma knew her sister was alone in the bath, so it's likely she was paying close attention to what was going on upstairs. She might have heard a distant thud, quiet enough that she didn't consciously register it, but perceptible enough to tip her off that something was wrong. Or it's possible she went to check on Leanne out of regular concern, not because she received a telepathic message. Still, the stories of long-lost twins and triplets being reunited after several decades are undeniably amazing. Unless you're Siegel, who points out that there's, quote, a genetic basis to intellect, interests, and personality. In other words, in the debate about nature versus nurture, Siegel came down fully on the side of nature. Separated twins grow up with comparable personalities because they share a genetic profile and extremely similar brains. It stands to reason that they'd also develop matching interests and personalities. Plus, these stories might seem supernatural thanks to a phenomenon known as the availability bias. This is when people make decisions based on the incomplete information provided to them. For example, being killed by a shark is extremely rare, but fatal shark attacks are widely publicized. All the increased attention makes them seem like a bigger threat than they actually are. Experts like Siegel argue availability bias extends to twins. When the triplets from the Neubauer experiment reunited, the public was amazed by their shared histories, interests, and mannerisms. But the press didn't pay as much attention to all the many ways the three boys were unique, because that doesn't sell as many papers. Ultimately, they were distinct people with as many differences as similarities. It's tempting to believe twins possess supernatural powers that allow them to communicate without anyone else knowing. 
It can sometimes feel like there's something otherworldly about having another version of yourself out there. And while there may not be concrete scientific evidence for twin telepathy, siblings can certainly share a special connection. For all we know, we might find out as much in 2065, when Neubauer's files are finally unsealed. Until then, we'll have to rely on anecdotes and whatever thoughts a few may share with their twin. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. For more information on the Neubauer experiment, amongst the many sources we used, we found Three Identical Strangers, directed by Tim Wardle, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast, executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and Trent Williamson as our senior production specialist. Allie Wicker is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Alex Bernard, edited by Natalie Pertsovsky and Angela Jorgensen, fact-checked by Kevin Johnson, researched by Josephine Cahio, recorded by Freddie Rivera, produced by Travis Clark, and sound designed by Dick Schroeder. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Richard Rossner. Lack of evidence, poor police work, clever criminals. Whatever the reason, some murders remain unsolved. Every Tuesday, Unsolved Murders explores the facts of a real-life cold case. Part dramatic podcast, part old-time radio show. Join the ensemble cast of actors as they take you on an exhilarating journey through the crime scene and its ensuing investigation. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Unsolved Murders. Listen free only on Spotify.